Hello and welcome to the second part of our exclusive tour of Rolls-Royce at Goodwood. I'm Gareth Jones and I'm being shown around by Rolls-Royce PR James Warren and Goodwood tour guide David Dean. As we rejoin the tour, David's explaining that they have no interest in volume at Rolls-Royce, just the pursuit of excellence. And that philosophy goes way back to the very beginning of the firm. Right at the very beginning, Henry Royce, when he got business uh, people in, the first things they said were, you're making the cars the wrong way, the quality is too high, you'll never make enough to make a profit. Henry, this is the way I do things. And it's true. It was engineering days, it was electrical businesses days, whatever he did, with quality, robustness, design to last. The That's sp- the way I do it, and I'm not changing. The spirit Which was of good the for man. Rolls-Royce, because we're yeah. still continuing that ethos today. Well, if you stick to your laurels, you know, if you have a mission statement and you think, I want to achieve this, you will ultimately, if you stick at it long enough, you will get there. <laughs> and having a very clearly defined philosophy like that has done the brand rather well really hasn't it I think yes, so it's Henry, Henry used to always rather beautifully say the quality remains long after the price is forgotten and we see that in the amazing motor cars that even sit in our reception and you know, beautiful 1952 Silver Dawn that we've got there that's as exquisitely put together now and as neat and tidy as the day that it first came out of the factory and crew you know? and that's an amazing testament to that quality of engineering the quality of materials and I suppose the regard that the owners have held the car in all these years they really are these exquisite little snapshots of their moment in time and that'll be the case with the cars that we're seeing coming down the line today it's a real sense of privilege you get when you work here that these will be significant objects within the lives of some very wealthy very influential very interesting people these are future classics coming down the line and I get the privilege of seeing them be born and I think for anyone with an interest in cars or an interest in luxury and interest in just lovely objects. It's a really charming thing. As an amateur musician, I covet a Gibson that would be made for me or a Fender that would be built to my spec. And I know the emotional investment I would put in something if I had designed and built for me that was a Gibson to my spec. Do that to a car, and you're right, it's a legacy thing. It's not just personal, it becomes for your family i get it there's so many of our customers these are people that have everything they have beautiful yachts and homes in every possible continent ah, we're going to just see the marriage here this is a lovely little privilege so i'll just describe this process we've got one of our craftspeople here he's just very very slowly guiding on rails the engine and running gear for a rolls royce ghost and you see it's this rather kind of lovely ceremonial process it's very slow and very deliberate the body of the car slowly lifting up and the running gear and chassis just coming underneath now and you'll see it just very slowly be mounted upon and as i say this is a very important moment for our customers to come and see uh-huh. and we invite them down to come and see it because it's the car becoming a car it's not just you know the conflation of two objects this is when it really begins to look and feel like the motor car that they're going to enjoy and hopefully their family's going to enjoy for many years. So it's an amazing process. And I, I think rather lovely, rich Rolls-Royce language to call it the marriage as well. The marriage, yeah, very much so. Well, you associate Rolls-Royce with weddings, don't you, very often? <laughs> yes, so yes. You own that part of the culture. I'm watching now as the bodywork is slowly lowered onto the running gear, the transmission. Can we move up there and yes, see a little course, closer? Yeah. You know, we go back to the very early days of Charles Rolls and Sir Henry Royce and the shop that they were running in Conduit Street, you know, yeah. that first kind of dealership. And of course, what they were selling to denizens of the day, you know, these Edwardian connoisseurs of luxury, was a perfect engine and running gear who would then take it off, a little bit like taking the very best cloth to their tailor, their suit maker in Savile yeah. Row, then take it off to their coach builder. 
So this, I think, is a rather lovely illustration of that. It puts me very much in mind of it. Down here, we have the engine and running gear. It certainly puts you in mind of Sir Henry and, and, and Charles and what they were selling from Conduit Street. And then, of course, we are the coach builder. Our bespoke department is very much the coach builder. And you watch those the conflation of engineering and craft very much the two sort of strongest suits about Rolls-Royce, the two things that you most recognise coming together to create something very magic. So traditionally, you know, you might have a Rolls-Royce chassis with a Molina Park Ward bodywork. Parker, yeah. Molina Park Ward, whoever it might be. And this is where you see such extraordinary kind of diversity in the heritage Rolls-Royces and the sort of classic Rolls-Royces, yeah. the various different body styles to suit different purposes, you know. But that Some. doesn't happen anymore. You do you have people who put bodywork on your chassis at all now? We, Not we, authorised. We, we find that we are able to satisfy customer demand for personalisation through Bespoke. And they want the sovereignty of Rolls-Royce craftspeople and Rolls-Royce designers having worked on it. So it's very rare that we will see that. Though occasionally customers, they may wish to go to an external but. I think not authorised is probably the nice way of saying it. We very much prefer to be able to respond to that sort of demand through our bespoke department. And you see that with Black Badge. It's a very good example of us understanding what it is a customer's desiring, seeing what they're doing, perhaps in the aftermarket world, and saying, no, no, we're the empire, we know best, and we'll do this in a very, very distinct Rolls-Royce way. And they're very satisfied with that. I should explain what Black Badge is. This is a sub-brand, if you like, within Rolls-Royce. We wouldn't say sub-brand so much. We don't tend to talk in those kind of terms. Black Badge, it's almost a permanent bespoke series of cars. It's a response to an increasingly younger type of customer. These are the sort of guys that have gone in and disrupted industries. They've gone and created fantastic music. They've gone and made their money in the creative fields. They're the sort of people that probably exist in the evening a little bit more than they do in the day. They're, Uh They're kind of a about town, they're the disruptors, they're the sort of people that probably echo the spirit of someone like Charles Rolls or Sir Malcolm Campbell, you know, those great early patrons of Rolls-Royce, they're today's versions of those people. So we looked at what they were coming to us and commissioning and increasingly they wanted this dark aesthetic, this very modern aesthetic, they wanted something that reflected that sort of side of their personality. So we set up bespoke designers to work and said, look, what would you do if you were one of these customers? And to reflect that and to take that very bespoke aesthetic into an engineering context we've added a little bit more power to the ghost we've played around a little bit with the gearbox management to ensure that there is just that little bit of extra dynamism in there you don't lose all of that Rolls-Royce kind of lovely wafting ride and absolute comfort and luxury but you do just have a little more keenness I think Mm to reflect the sort of taste of that particular customer we've done a similar thing with Wraith playing around with the way that it delivers torque just to express that sort of customers the way they might like to enjoy their car in Mm. a little bit more of a spirited way than a traditional Rolls-Royce customer and then we've taken fantastic things like technical fibre from the aviation industry really cool modern material that actually harks back to our aviation heritage so it's all deeply deeply thought out it is us expressing in minute detail the lifestyles of our customers and is it any less of a rolls royce because it doesn't have wood and natural colored leathers no it's a contemporary rolls royce i said this to you before that rolls have been innovators in technology for a long time and that technical look i think suits the culture of rolls royce as much as the wood and luxury the thing you'll find here is that we always operate with absolute authenticity so the materials that you see they're deeply thought about we work in consultation with our customers our designers are the very best designers in their fields in the world we take them from different areas of luxury so with that and this myopic focus on listening and intimately understanding the lifestyles of our customers we are the authority on what can be Rolls-Royce they're the authority on what can be Rolls-Royce and of course Rolls-Royces have always been owned by people who lead from the front traditionally 
the taste may have been bird woods and old red leathers and that sort of thing and yes we can still cater for that sort of taste but today's innovators today's Malcolm Campbell's today's Charles Rolls's they want technical mm. fibres and they want beautiful smoked chrome and that sort of thing mm. and we're very very happy to deliver it so I think as long as the Rolls Royce leads as long as the Rolls Royce is a car that attracts the most pioneering the most successful people in the world it will always be an authentic Rolls Royce in the time that we've been chatting here the bodywork and chassis have been mated and exactly as you say the pace of Rolls Royce it happened in a gentlemanly stately way there was no frantic running around and things happening quickly slowly offered up and went in right first time that's probably quite important (laughs) too isn't it that's very important but of course our associates here our craftspeople here are incredibly well trained and you know they go through this process every day it's it's quite mesmerizing to watch them work everything's almost kind of unsaid there's a couple of guys working here and they just go about their business a lovely kind of quiet industry and that tends to dominate here that it is rather lovely to watch Gareth Jones on speed at Goodwood, the home of Rolls-Royce. We're standing in this huge room. We've got the line to my right where cars are being mated with the bodywork comes in from behind me. And from the left-hand side, this is where all the transmission is. Again, delivered from Germany, built in factories in Germany. Yeah, so we've got the transmission here is a ZF 8-speed gearbox, and it's obviously married to our satellite-aided transmission. Fantastic system that allows the satellites to tell the gearbox what to do. It effectively predict the next corner ahead like an unseen valet to make sure that you're always in the correct gear i didn't know about this oh yeah it just ensures that at no point is that car searching around for a gear you're never going to feel it kind of clicking around it's a lovely unseen technology it's something that speaks to the effortless that we want to deliver so they come in from zf this area here at the moment is undergoing a little bit of change as i say we're moving to this new aluminium architecture we announced it a little while ago part of our plans for the 8th generation Phantom and Project Cullinan which will be coming in 2018 so this used to be much more of a logistics area we almost called it the kind of the shopping centre yeah. it was where our craftspeople could go and they pick up the little bits and bobs that they need but it's now just opening up production capacity and bespoke capacity to allow us to continue making beautiful hand-built cars and this has been made possible by a lovely innovation just around the corner in Bognor Regis rather large facility that we've just put together it effectively doubles our manufacturing presence here on the south coast which is a great affirmation for our commitment to Britain long-term and a commitment to this part of the world. It's all kind of happening. You're here at an exciting time. There's lots going on. So what components are made in Bogneritas? No components are made. It's more storage, it's logistics, oh, okay. it's fleet management. It's taking away these functions that don't necessarily need to be hands on the car and moving them to another facility to make room for more craft people, for more... Because Rolls-Royce doesn't need to apply that just-in-time manufacturing culture that mass-market manufacturers need to in order to make a profit. You guys don't need to build stuff and throw it straight on you. Just get it. When it's ready, we'll have it. You know, you know I had a really interesting conversation with our manufacturing director a couple of months ago. I was saying, oh, it's fantastic. You know, we've now got this facility up the road in Bognor. That's going to allow you to make more cars. And he said, it's never about making more cars. If I can save five minutes creating a new process... I'll put that five minutes into extra quality control, extra checking, whatever it is. And I think that's just a fantastic attitude. It's probably the the only place you're going to hear that is Rolls-Royce. Now, here we are, somewhere incredibly special. This is where you make the headlining for the car. The Starlight headliner. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen inside a Rolls-Royce, but you can spec it with a star field in the headlining which is all done by glass fibres optical glass fibres and I believe you can draw your own constellations is that right when you spec the car so in its standard configuration the stars are presented as they were over Goodwood on the 1st of January 2003 the very moment at midnight 
that we handed over the first phantom. Ah. And we had that verified by the West Sussex Observatory. Customers begin to get wind of the fact that this is not just a random pattern. Yep. And they also understood that, of course, this is hand-built, which gives you inherent flexibility. Yep. So they started tasking us with verifying the planets and the stars as they were over the hospital the night their daughter was born, <laughs> or the day they met their wife, or whatever it might be. And I just think it speaks beautifully of the way in which you can add in these incredibly intimately personal details and points of passion within your life into your Rolls Royce. And it's not about necessarily showing off. No one needs to know that. It's making it yours. It's making it yours. Yeah. You might only ever know that that, yeah. that. that was a really significant moment that we've depicted the stars as they were mm. at that particular moment. And they may only wish to tell people that they really like them, they're very close to them, mm. whatever it is. And I just think it, it speaks rather beautifully of the way that we can cater to customers' needs. I think if I was a Rolls-Royce customer, I'd want to be able to say, no, this is my Rolls-Royce, and it's different to every other Rolls-Royce. Yeah. Because I've made it that way. I... And they are, they simply are. I mean, when you're working with natural materials and you're working with the palette of materials and colours and surfaces and all of the things, that's without getting into the very heavy bespoke and putting refrigerators and whiskey decanters and that sort of thing. Every car is as unique as the customer who commissioned it. It is a unique expression, as unique as their own fingerprint. And you just see here our lovely lady who's just working away. This is 1,340 individual fibre optics that she's hand-cutting. And you'll see... She'll change the angle ever so slightly on certain stars to create different sort of levels of brightness. So especially when we're going down a bespoke route and doing something that's very specific to a place or a time in a customer's life, then you need to look at the brightness of those stars as they were, and it's to look and feel. That's how she's able to do it. It's years of training, a lot of practice, and I think a very special sort of mind that you need to be able to count 1,340 and do it. But they seem to Can I talk to Zara here? Can <laughs> I ask? Zara, I saw your name on there. Hello, Zara, I'm Gareth. How long will it take you to complete this from scratch about nine hours nine hours nine hours of yeah. inserting tiny glass fibers into mm-hmm. predetermined holes yes snipping them off getting the angle right yep and that's right from drilling the holes right in the beginning as well via the template that we have and where did so your skill set come from from this what were you doing before this i was a carer Really? Yeah. So you're yeah. still doing a lot of care, really, are you? Yeah, yeah. intimate yeah. care. Yeah, quite a perfectionist job, yeah. yeah. Good luck yeah. with yeah. it. I'd, I'd never be able to do it. Mine would be a mess, but I can see that you're doing it with exquisite yeah. detail. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Zara. Thank, Thank you. you. Ta-da! Sorry to disturb you. Thank you. Because you mentioned she was drilling the hole, so we have the template which is attached to that side. Yeah. So she's drilled each hole individually. Then she highlights some black marker. It's just easier for her to see where to sew in. Yep. And then going to check the height do they all fit in some of our sound systems have speakers they've got to fit in once we're happy with that the lady just to your left you see over there glues each one individually into place and then we get to the cutting right and just looking i don't think i've ever seen behind a headlining before just 10 lights yeah a couple of lights distributing glass fibers and the speakers are the extraordinary thing the fact that you've got speakers in the headlining as well an amplifier not into everything it depends on what your sound system is a full phantom will have 1600 second fiber optics wow yeah. This is Ghost and uh, Wraith, say 1,340. That's a lot of work. It's a, it's a must-have once you've seen it. I think you yeah, yeah, just yeah. have to have it. And it works well during the day as well. It can be yeah, yeah. The first time I ever encountered a star headlining wasn't in a car, but in a hotel in Japan I stayed in once. Yeah, the only hotel we could find, they were called love hotels, because Japanese houses are very small, and young people live with their parents. If they want to have a romantic liaison, they can go to hotels, and they're very nice hotels. And so they're equipped with all sorts of stuff including star headlining above the bed which was lots of fun 
But I wasn't there. It, it wasn't the inspiration, I must say. I, I must yeah. add to, <laughs> to the sanctity of, uh, of our designers. The inspiration actually came, the story goes, we had a customer who found it quite difficult to read his newspaper in the back of the car. Mm. And he wanted the light to fall in a slightly different way, a little bit of an eye problem. We were kind of having a chat with him and we said, look, where do you find you like to read your newspaper? He says, well, I sit out on my porch and I've got a little bit of light behind me. If the moon's very bright that night, it's absolutely perfect. And we said, well, we probably can't deliver the moon, but what about the stars? Ah. So it wasn't a Japanese love hotel. It was like so many innovations here and, and so many of the good things that we do here. It was driven from customer desire. Fascinating. Mm. Your ethos runs deep, doesn't it? And that's probably part of the success. Absolutely. I think any true luxury house, as I say, it has to be authentic and it has to be quite sovereign in its approach. It yeah. has to, to have beliefs, forge beliefs, and then you, you hammer them to your customers. You make sure that you, live you express by them. You must live by them. Don't you must just live. say it, live by it, yeah, and exactly. you do what you say then. As we move further down the production line, cars starting to look more assembled, still with the grill covered and protected, and a car largely empty of its seats at this point. I can see ghosts, and is that a ghost or is that a phantom? Well, it's a ghost there. It's a ghost there. So to tease you a little bit, we're going to have to stop at this stage because yep. at the moment we are in a quite sensitive build. Okay. And as you well know, that we've got coming in 2018. So, so I stop the corner and close my eyes. Basically, we're going to walk back down that way. Okay. Right. Yeah. This, All is, right. this is at the moment we can't turn the corner. But just to give you a sense of what is over there, that's our test and finish area. Right. So as you say, cars really, really begin to look like cars as we turn the corner here. And then they go through an exhaustive period of tests and audit. We put them through a monsoon test because, of course... Our cars will go to all sorts of different parts of the world and we have to know they're going to stand up to the most sort of heavy weather. We will even sometimes we'll put one of our analysts and engineers into the boot of a car with a little stethoscope to make sure that absolutely everything is completely watertight. If we get any sense of water egress, car starts all the way from the beginning. So this is really where the, the kind of the perfection begins to kick in. We've got acoustic chambers in there where we'll put the car through an incredibly rough, almost rolling road listen to squeaks and rattles because of course silence is such a fundamental tenet to what we do here at Rolls-Royce so there's an awful lot of the process goes on there sadly I can't show you today but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a sense I will turn around and walk gracefully the other way whilst trying to crane my neck and see what there is we'll never know I've got to turn off the recorder Gareth Jones on speed at Goodwood the home of Rolls-Royce turning my back on the production line at the moment and just at the section of the line that I was on are the last ever Phantoms. Production stops when? End of this year? End of this year. So that is the very last of the seventh generation Phantoms. And as you would imagine, those are some incredibly beautiful bespoke examples that have been commissioned by some of our connoisseur collectors. These real sort of patrons of the brand who want to have something very special to mark the end of what many would argue is the most seminal car in Rolls-Royce history. As you say, Gareth, it really sort of said to the world that the new custodianship understands what Rolls-Royce is, understands what modern Rolls-Royce is, and it really did reset the benchmark for what is the best car in the world. So as we walk past there, it is good to show a little reverence. had a very, very important part to play in not only Rolls-Royce history, but automotive history. But I'll tell you what, watch this space for, for Phantom 8 in 2018. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, when the makers of the finest automobile in the world bring out their top-of-the-range car, it's got to be exciting. The world it? stands still for a little bit, you know. Yeah. Every, everyone wants to know, what are Rolls-Royce up to? What are they saying about luxury? Are the materials that are worthy of the best car in the world? What are the craftsmanship techniques? What's the technology? Yeah. You know, you're acutely aware of that and very excited at the challenge that that gives us. We're here now in the cutting room. So this is really where the car starts to become a beautiful luxury good. You see the very finest leathers just laid out here. All sorts of different colours. So pink. Pink. 
Yeah. Not hugely popular, but we do certainly and have... There are those who would we, like it. There are those who would like it. Quite often, not for the entire interior of the car. What we quite often do is go with something a little more muted, like an Arctic white or even a seashell here, and we'll just put that in in highlights. We're totally unique in the automotive world in our ability to place on every panel a different leather colour, if you so wish, or a different sort of leather treatment. We don't do tick box bespoke like many others and sort of say, well, you can have environment one or environment two. You much like specifying a suit, you can have absolutely what you want. So quite often we like to use these bold pings, we like to use the sort of turquoise, very sort of bright blue as highlight colours, just to show off even in a door pocket, even a little bit of stitching, just adds that little bit of a splash of colour into a customer commission. I'm looking at the hide, is that what you call it? Yes, this it's a half hide. hide yeah. And it's been chalked up. Any blemishes are highlighted, so you know, don't use that bit, don't use that, use only the finest part of this hide. This is a really lovely meld of traditional hand craftsmanship, as I say, the most sophisticated instrument in the world, the human eye, as a tool for measurement, and then, of course, the very best technology, which is something that features a lot in this place. So when the leather comes in, and it comes in from northern Europe generally, that's where we tend to source a lot of our leather from, it is the very highest grade leather in the world. It will be bulls, not cows, because of course cows, they get pregnant and they stretch, and that will affect the quality of the leather. We also like to keep our bulls at altitude because there's less flies around that will then bite and blemish the skin. So they actually, they lead a very, very good life before being sustainably slaughtered. You don't own the cattle, though. These are farmers that you have a deal with that you buy the... We source from the very best herds in Europe, and we have a very, very close connection with them. We don't own the cattle. They they don't have employee numbers or anything like that. (laughs) If they did, they'd be very well well positive. (laughs) So as soon as the leather comes in, it goes into a process of checking, essentially. It's almost like the leather gets audited, and you'll see one of our craftspeople over here puts it onto a panel that then sucks it in using a little bit of air to create this sort of tautness and you begin to see little blemishes that you wouldn't normally see if it just hangs down naturally here and then he will chalk out where he sees imperfections now we talk quite a bit at Rolls-Royce about these guys having a more myopic eye than normal people for imperfection now I've seen a little X there and I can't see a problem no 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 they've spotted something something, they're not happy that will then be laid on this rather elaborate machine very large flat surface and then lasers from above will map out all of the different shapes that you need in order to make a full Rolls-Royce leather set. And then it will go through an electronic cutting process because that ensures absolute perfection. If the lasers track the chalk and there's not enough free space, a little bit like doing your cookie dough, the leather is unfortunately rejected. Right. We always make the joke that we send the bad stuff to Bentley. <laughs> oh, that one goes way back. People quite often ask, oh, does the leather go into the shoe business or the handbag business or the super luxury, beautiful ladies' shoes? Our leather's actually a better quality. But it is recycled. We're very sustainable in the leather that we reject. We do find purposes for it, but we just will not accept any compromise in terms of blemishes. Can I look at the laser in the cutting? Can yeah, I get it closer? On. So I'm just fascinated by this. So you lay out the hide on a flat surface. The lasers identify the position of the chalk. Of the chalk, yep. So it will cut around where the chalk marks are. It's not a, cut, oh, it's cut over there. That's it's, the cutter. It's cut over here. So the board then moves the piece, which has been exactly. marked, if you like. Exactly. And because it recognises its position in space, it can cut exactly where it was told to by the lasers. That's exactly. So you'll see one of our craftspeople here actually positioning the leather, positioning the lasers to ensure that we can get all of the different shapes that we need to make sure that we've got a full set. That's a one uh, piece. That's a one piece. So obviously if we have any issue or too many chalk marks for us to be able to do it fully... We do unfortunately reject that leather. We have no concession to compromise here. Yep, you know. I get that. I get that. that. This I rather love this machine here that's actually doing the cutting. 
As you can see, it's a little bit noisier than the actual factory floor, which is yeah, rather yeah. lovely. Reminds me a bit of a dot matrix printer. Yeah, yeah, a very light one. Which is quite a nice kind of mindful thing to watch, yeah, watch yeah. work away, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get lost watching that yeah, for ages. Well, I used to watch that. a defrag on a PC. I'd sit for hours <laughs> enjoying a defrag on early versions of Windows. Yeah, oh. You have a similar mind to me, to be honest. <laughs> I quite enjoy all that. And then you see sort of, you know, much smaller little pieces. I mean, it's, it's amazing from, of course, almost the half hides that you get for seats. You go down right into the kind of minutia of the different tiny, we won't touch it because it's going to a customer, but the little tiny bits that you need in order to build a full car set. You can always play the game here, where's that going to go? Yeah, the, the parts which have been produced, you think, oh, well, that could just be the cover for the transmission or where the phone goes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Perfect. And then over this side, it is a little bit like the sewing pool that you see in Coronation Street, except these guys are much more highly skilled. So these are amazing craftspeople that we've taken from really sort of interesting different backgrounds obviously a lot of military tailoring that sort of thing because you're working with quite heavy duty materials yeah. that match leather yeah we've also got a lady here i don't know if she's working on this shift but she used to sew up the parliamentary red boxes <laughs> she's rather lovely and now she makes rolls royces so this is anything from sewing together bits of leather right up to very intricate embroidery so customers are able to express things like family crests in the headrest their initials down to really elaborate designs we even use tattooing as a technique so we will tattoo onto leather in order to express what the customer needs it's a good this way of getting a pattern on skin isn't it which is what you're doing it works yeah, it, yeah. it's as simple as that yeah it, it does work so how many people have you call them seamstresses no we would just sort of generally call them craftspeople. in total i think the leather shop has around 400 individual craftspeople. it is actually the biggest craft center within factory it's a very labor-intensive process yeah so we do need to put a lot of craftspeople into it walking past here we're just moving away from the cutting room into an area that we call sort of the bespoke workshop we've got to be a little bit quiet because they get very sensitive because you're working on top secret customer stuff but this is where we take cars we take the creation of parts out of normal process and this is where you'll see the sort of magic happen for maybe a year up to a year if you're working on an incredibly elaborate customer process. So these are project managers, engineers, craftspeople who are working a little bit like a Q laboratory on creating really, really sort of special stuff for our customers. And we will move on because I will get the eye of... <laughs> we'll get told this, off. This, yeah, this is top secret customer stuff. And we must respect that. Yeah, I think if I was spending, you know, upwards of a quarter of a million plus on a car and I yeah. wanted it to be my Just, private thing. You'd hope that the company that we're doing it, we're yeah, going to yeah. do that for you. Keep Absolutely. it quiet. Yeah. Absolutely. Gareth Jones on speed at Goodwood, the home of Rolls-Royce. We're just about to enter the wood shop here, which is my favourite smelling place of the entire factory. It does have this rather wonderful sort of odour of, of kind of cigar humidors and beautiful wood and varnishes and that sort of thing. God, here we go. It's a shame this isn't smelly vision. We haven't quite worked out way of doing that in podcasts yet, but I will breathe deeply while I'm in here yeah I'm getting polish this probably illustrates the story quite a bit again parts review we've got a beautiful piece of wood that will eventually go into a Rolls Royce Ghost with this beautiful artisan marquetry this is one of our very famous skills that we've honed over the years through our apprenticeship program it is the art of individually hand cutting very small pieces of wood and almost jigsaw puzzle like placing them onto wood veneers to create these rather beautiful patterns. In this case, it's a decorative, almost fan shape that repeats across the entire front of the car's dashboard. And I think it's just an exquisite application of craft. And our customers absolutely love it, of course. Yep, it's not printed in 10 seconds, <laughs> is it? No, no, absolutely not. It's done with the scalpel of a very skilled craftsperson. Yeah. 
when we work with particularly elaborate shapes or motifs, we'll even sandblast rather than paint in order to get darkening and lightening that we want. So we're just going to wander through here. Okay, squeezing through. This reminds me of the kind of DT workshop at school. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows what they're doing here. Veneer preparation and book matching. Book matching, what's that? So book matching is the art of matching grain. So grain and pattern from wood. So if you imagine where a car's wood veneer, it isn't just chopping one big lump of wood and then sanding it down. It's individual almost leaves of wood veneer that are then pressed together. And that gives you the opportunity in order to create these rather lovely mirrored patterns. Of course, different woods have different grains. And yep. in this case you run that through the entire centre section of the car. It's very hard to describe it from an audio point of view. But in essence, it means that you have a lovely symmetry in the grain across yeah. both sides of the car. Yeah, a continuity to a the... Continuity. It's made of separate elements. They've all got to work together as if they were cut from one piece. Exactly yeah. that. And they are cut from one piece. Yeah, but then reassemble in different order. And they, you, exactly, yeah. they reassemble in different order. And that's why you get a slight kind of discrepancy. It's very hard to describe from an audio yeah. point of view. But it's that rather lovely thing that you'll see on fine furniture. You know, that you have a symmetry to the way that the grain behaves. Yeah. And our customers really like that. And what's quite amazing is because you're working with a natural product, it really does mean that the wood serves as almost the car's fingerprint. Yeah, yeah. It makes it very unique. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. we're just going to enter a room here. You don't want to spend a massive amount of time with it. It's a wow. controlled environment. Oh, a nice warm cupboard with walls and walls of wood and wood veneer. Am I allowed to touch it? Are my greasy can, fingers going to... You kind of need to. Don't look at this. It's a lovely, not quite... Uh, what would we call that? That's not mahogany, is it? That's might be eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. How exquisite is that? If you've ever enjoyed going into a wood store... This is like going into a Rolls Royce of wood stores. How lovely. And this is a couple of purposes. One is, of course, to keep materials for cars that we're currently building. Yep. But we also like to archive materials as well. So should a customer, for whatever reason, have an issue with their car, they've had some accident damage or whatever it might be, we can actually track down their particular wood set. Because uh, every car has an individual ID number and all the e- components e- are exactly tied to that. that. So it is, it's very nice for us to be able to, Fascinating. Uh, to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Nice. You don't want to spend a massive Oh, I don't know. I could sit in here all day enjoying the atmosphere. It's, it's like nicely air-conditioned and good temperature and good humidity in there. Yeah, so very nice. So that's probably about as much of the wood shop as we can see just the minute. Can we see a bit of touch-up, do you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, touch-up. Is it necessary? It is, because, of course, we have an absolute policy of strive for perfection. So, of course, when you're working with a natural product, it does have its own sort of blemishes and imperfections. So one of the final processes before a wood goes into lacquer, before it gets that final beautiful piece of finishing on it, is that it will be passed through the eye of these very, very meticulous craftspeople who will fill in any surface imperfections. They will look to get colour absolutely right. It's just making sure that that finished product is authentic, it's not about trying to blemish over things, and this is why we're very transparent about it, but it is absolutely perfect into the standard that we require. And again, this is so often them working on things I can't see. Okay. They have far yeah. sharper eyes than I do, and this incredible lack of tolerance, I suppose, for, for yeah, any yeah. sort of imperfection. Yeah. And you see an unusual tool. We have a household iron there. When you're working with very thin pieces of wood veneer and, yeah. and you're layering them up, it's actually the very best tool imaginable. It heats it up, makes it flexible. Exactly that. In a very subtle, gentle way that in no way is going to discolour it or interfere with... And uh, accelerates the glue, presumably, that's yes, holding yes. the two together. Exactly make, that. It makes it active. A lot of the way that you manufacture substrate wood parts is exactly that. Material, heat, aluminium, pressure. Yeah. And it's the combination and a bit of glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and you get this incredible strength 
whilst of course making sure you've got a very authentic material that when you knock it it feels like one solid human piece of wood uh-huh. you know which is now not possible of course because they yeah. wouldn't do too well in crash tests yeah yeah yeah, yeah using good. laminating to create strength is a great way isn't it? it's a great way of doing yeah. it yeah pressure and layers yeah gareth jones on speed don't worry sir i'll take probably tell by the wind across the microphone that we've come outside the Rolls-Royce Goodwood factory. Do you call it a factory? Do you call it a facility? What do you call it, James? Well, look, it's the home of Rolls-Royce, and our customers certainly see it as a global centre of excellence, but we would say the manufacturing plant rather than a The a manufacturing plant. And because my Rolls-Royce experience is not exactly over, you should explain. No, well, we're just wandering across our rather lovely courtyard. It's a little chilly today. It's the one thing we can't do anything about. But we're about to put you in for a few days this most beautiful bespoke wraith and it's actually a wraith inspired by fashion which is one of the lovely bespoke motor cars that we put out last year and we've just done the same with dawn thanks to a bit of customer demand so just to walk you around the car a little bit we're looking at a beautiful fastback coupe it doesn't show particularly well because it's a little bit of a dull day and it's actually presented in rather lovely two-tone white and you see here this feature line painted by a man that we learned a little bit about earlier on mark court yeah that just shows off the way that the two-tone splits over the car so, we wander so the lower half of the car is actually almost on the greyer side of white. So that is oh, an yes. Andalusian white, which has a little bit of grey in there. And then you've got an English white on top, which puts that cream in. So it's a really subtle two-tone. It's something that our designers saw going on within the oak couture houses, these very subtle colour contrasts, and wanted to integrate that into their cars in order to really sort of reflect the interests of our customers. You know, many of them are great arbiters of fashion themselves. They do sit on the front row of the fashion shows around the world and they rather enjoy having this as a bit of an inspiration yeah. to sort of build a bespoke motor car themselves. So. It's white. It's a Rolls Royce. It's white. You know, it's a wedding car colour. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing on a Rolls Royce. And it's mine for the next few days to go it's, and enjoy. It's yours for the next few days. And I understand that you're going to some fantastic driving roads. And this is... A lovely, lovely driver's Rolls-Royce. It's 624 brake horsepower, so it's adequate, as we say. We don't talk too much about sportiness or power. You've got the satellite-aided transmission, which, of course, is going to serve as a little bit of an onboard valet. It's going to take the GPS data, and it's going to change the gears for you, depending on what's coming up on the road that you're going on. So if you're on those beautiful, twisty roads of North Wales, you're never going to feel the car sort of searching around for a gear. It's going to hold the gears when it needs to. It's going to learn that you're wanting to drive a little more dynamically, perhaps, on those sort of roads, and it's going to adapt the way that it drives for you so we have no sport buttons or paddle selectors in a Rolls Royce it's all done for you so you can just enjoy piloting the car around it's so Rolls Royce isn't it? it's Very. all done for you sir don't worry sir we'll take care of that yeah, sir don't worry exactly that exactly you must see it as almost an unseen valet but this is very much a car to enjoy from the front seat as a driver so I'm quite sure with the miles you've got to do you're going to be well company I am certain I will enjoy driving this car and I'm certain that the on-speed listeners will enjoy the experience I share in the programme I'm going to make about driving this car so my life's often so exciting i can only share it vicariously it's too much for me i have to share it which is why i make this podcast james thank you so very very much well thank you very much we're all great fans of the show here um so it's, it's a real privilege to have you here that's great and i hope you enjoy this magnificent motor car as much as we're going to enjoy listening to your report on rolls royce and this lovely wraith try and stop me from enjoying myself thank you sir to send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Don't worry, sir. I'll take care of that. Gareth Jones on Speed!
me! <laughs>